And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I am Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games. Movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co host is the tantalizing Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Bob Bailey stars as Detective George Valentine on Let George Do It from 1950. But first, Lisa Wolf Dillon is our lyricist for learning the lyrics. Lisa will read popular song lyrics. I'll try to guess the name of the songs while you play the game along at home, right, Lisa? I think you've got it, Carl. But first, I need to ask Mike what he thinks, uh, what he predicts for the evening. Um, I'm going to say one. One. And mm. here's the thing. If wow. you get them all right, I'm not buying you a second pizza. What letter are we on? Yes. What letter are we on? I don't know. What do you think? Where are J? we at? J? Uh. Close. K? No. L M N O P Q R I. I. Okay. I. That's a letter. <laughs> I, I wanna, wanna hold your hold, hand. I wanna hold your I wanna hand. hold your hand. Is that one of them? It's not. Okay. But that would have been funny if it was. I wanna hold your, your hand. hand. All right. Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm ready. No, I never felt like this before. No, I never felt like this before. Yes, I swear. It's the truth, and I owe it all to you, and I owe it all to you. I've been waiting for so long. Been now I finally so found someone to stand by me. Uh, yes, you did. Not even. We saw the writing on the wall as we felt this magical fantasy. Now with passion in our eyes. Starts with an I? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. There's no way we could disguise it secretly. You know this song. So we take each other's hand because we seem to understand the urgency. Just remember, you're the one thing I can't get enough of. Doesn't, nothing. So I'll tell you something. This could be love because I never want to walk without (laughs) you. Baby. I'm sorry. That's not it. Just want to talk without you. Listen, so I'll tell you something. This could be love because I. Yes. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, let's play it. I have no idea. Dirty Dancing? What? I mean, I Come never saw on. this movie. What? I never saw Dirty Dancing. I mean, I thought this was the song that you would get. Me too. Oh my gosh. What? I'm going to do terribly. What? What's the name of the song? I've had the time of my life. Dirty Dancing? I never saw this movie. What were you doing in 1987? Not watching this movie. Wow. 
This is not a Carl movie. Dirty Dancing? Yes. No. Patrick Swayze? Anything no. with Patrick Swayze no, is great. No, no. Mike, did you see this movie? Not all of it. Do you know this song? Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, that's all that counts. I, I and I would say I probably know this song even not from the movie. Exactly. It was on the radio. You were in the you were in the basement, <laughs> listening to radio shows and looking at posters. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> I I would have never gotten. Wow. That. No. Well, that's a surprise. Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. What was it called? I've, I've what? I've had the time of my no, life. No, I've never from- gotten that. I could see that. <laughs> All right. Not even close. Okay. All right. Let's, let's keep moving. Okay. Um, in numbers too big to ignore. And I know too much to go back and pretend because I've heard it all before and I've been down there on the floor and no one's ever going to keep me down again. Yes, I am wise, but it's wisdom born of pain. Yes, I've paid the price, but look how much I've gained. If mm. I have to, I can do anything. I am strong. I am woman. I am woman. Yeah. I am woman. Hear me roar. Helen Reddy. Too big to, to ignore. ignore. And I know too woman. much to go back Empowerment. and pretend. Because I've heard it all before. That voice. Isn't it just Helen Reddy? On the floor. No one's ever going to keep Love me her. down again. Throughout the time. Man. Helen Reddy. It's been a long time since I, I listened to this song. It's one of those forever songs you don't forget. Yes, I paid the price, but look how much I gained. If I have to, I can do anything. I love it. I am strong, man. Strong, strong. I am invincible. Invincible. I am man. Woman. <laughs> I am man. All right, I got right, one. Got it. I'm going to probably get the two that you didn't think I'd get, Mike. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. All right. Here's I another one I like. woman. Hear that's, me roar. That's right. And I've been down on the floor. <laughs> no. Yeah, she says something like that. I've been, yeah, I'm on the floor. The floor and, I don't, I don't yeah, know Yeah, because in other words, she got up from the floor and she did it. I don't get it. There's a, <laughs> there's a line in there that okay, says that. I don't believe you. <laughs> All right. Ready? Yeah. L.A.'s fine, the sun shines most of the time. What? And I feel, should I start over? Yeah. L.A.'s fine, the sun shines most of the time, and the feeling is laid back. Palm trees grow and rents are low, but you know I keep thinking about making my way back. Well, I'm New York City, born and raised, but nowadays I'm lost between two shores. L.A.'s fine, but it ain't home. New York's home, but it ain't mine no more. <laughs> what? I don't know. I led you right up to it. Right there. Lead me right up to it again. L.A.'s fine, but it ain't home. New York's home. But it ain't mine no more. Uh, It's not ringing a bell. Listen, um, to to no one there and no, no one heard at all, not even the chair. Remember that line? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Um. And no one, I know I'm trying to, to no one there and no one heard at all, not even the chair. Ah, gosh, that, that sounds familiar to me. Mm -hmm. Cause who would say that? Like that's specific. Mm. What else can you give me? (laughs) Um, I gave it to you already. I led you right up. LA's fine, but it ain't home. 
New York's LA's home. LA's fine, but, but it, it ain't, ain't mine fine. no more. And there you say it. I know you know this song. We've played this song. It starts with an I, huh? It is. It does. I something? I, yes. The letter I. How about I, yay, 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 I am the Frito Bandito. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Frito Bandito. I, exactly I what you think. I love Fritos con chips. I love yes, them. So I do. much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it. Okay, let's play it. Is fine, the sun shines most of the time. This is not my kind of music. My, Carl, just listen. And the feeling is laid When you never you get don't get it, it's the wrong this song. Isn't for I picked the wrong song. Who's singing, Carl? Um Make it my way back. Carpenter or something like that. Uh, Glenn Campbell? <laughs> I don't know, is it Glenn Campbell? Oh no, Neil Diamond. Yes. Neil Diamond. I mean, I'm I, am, I am, I am. I am, I said. Sam, I am. I am, I said. I am, I said. It ain't home, but it ain't home, but it ain't mine. Like, I don't like this kind of song. Great song. I am, I said. You want to hear the chair? What's the name of the title? I am, I said. That's the name yes. of the title? Yes. I am, I said. I am, I said. Here, it sounds like a Listen. nursery rhyme. Even the chair. Even there the chair. Here it is. All right. Well, Mike was right. You got one. <laughs> Mike's it was the wrong right. one, but it counts. Mike Mike is right. Those songs weren't very good. Excuse me? Even the Helen Reddy one, I'm shocked I got. Helen Reddy, Neil Diamond, and... I mean, if I was picking I songs, I would have... What would you have picked? I am the Frito Bandito. <laughs> I am the Frito Bandito. Exactly. <laughs> I love Fritos con chips. I love them. I do. These are three great songs, whether or not you no. got them right. Man, you love these sappy I songs. I love Neil Diamond. You love sappy Most of songs. our listeners love Neil Diamond, too. Well, he is a real gem. You sound like our listener, uh, David. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's... <laughs> uh, he's a real gem. Yeah, you said that already. He only works once. <laughs> uh, anyway, I like Neil Diamond. Except when you don't get it right. Yeah, did you, you ever see him in person, Neil Diamond? I think. I don't think so. No? All right, well, thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Carl. I wasn't happy with your picks. You're not but a good sport, but not... it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> I still want a pizza tonight. That's yes, all you I, did. I mean, I, I, I give it to you. I'm in such a great mood. I'm getting a pizza. This is a great mood. <laughs> getting a free pizza out of Lisa. <laughs> yes, you and are. And Mike, you're going to help me eat it. <laughs> Thank you. Fair deal. <laughs> all right, when we come back, Bob Bailey stars as George Valentine on Let George Do It. So stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. You know, we started out the show with uh, Bob Bailey starring as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Before he got the gig as Johnny Dollar, he played a different detective on the radio for quite a few years. And that detective was George Valentine on Let George Do It. He played the role from 1946 until 19, uh, 1954. So, like, you know, um, quite a few seasons. What is that, eight seasons on the air? And um, on this particular show, I think they 
they um, might have been the first program to do this where he posted an ad and uh, said, look, I'm a tough guy, detective. You need help. Just reach out to me, George Valentine, uh, write full details. Um, And uh, that same concept was adopted for the Box 13 series. Mm -hmm. That came later, though. That came in 1949. So I think Let George Do It was the first show that said, well, you know, we'll use a newspaper article to, um, you know, to uh, find cases. Anyway, this was a good series, and uh, we have a broadcast from December 11th, 1950. It's called The Bookworm Turns. Here's Bob Bailey in part one of Let George Do It. Personal notice. Dangerous my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. Greetings, mystery lover. Time for another Let George Do It adventure. I call it The Bookworm Turns, and it all goes to prove the old saying, never bury yourself in a book unless you can fit on a five-foot shelf. It's all about an old fellow with a problem, but I think I'd better let him tell it to you in his own words. My dear Mr. Valentine, I am the owner of a small bookshop. If you are familiar at all with rare editions, I am sure you will recognize my name. Hall Jacobs Humber. Well, I need your advice. You've heard of bookworms, haven't you? Of Abraham Lincoln studying by candlelight? Of students rioting to keep libraries open so that men may learn? Well, for the past two nights, my shop has been broken into. But I simply can't bring myself to call the police because... Nothing is stolen. Not a book, not a penny from the cash register. So you must be with me tonight by ten o'clock. Because, Mr. Valentine, I believe I am being visited by the most ardent bookworm of them all. A man who jimmies the window merely for the purpose of reading my books. Yes, reading. But reading what? And why? listening to Let George Do It. Well, you certainly have enough books, Mr. Humber. Don't you ever sell any? Uh, Well, these racks go out in front when the shop is open, Miss Brooks. Six for a dollar, huh? If we're trying to surprise anyone, it seems to me... Oh, no, he's never broken in this early. I've often stayed here myself till 10 or 11, Mr. Valentine. I've never seen the guy yourself, huh? Why do I say guy? Why do you say he? Uh, Here, there's an aisle through here. Just follow me. I don't want to turn the lights Mr. on. Mr. Humber, why do you I say... I heard you, I heard you, yes, yes. Uh, I am just guessing, that's all. Uh-huh. Is that the window over there? The no, window? no, 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 no. The window on the other side of the stockroom. Alley entrance, huh? Yes. Uh, here, my office is in here. 
We can wait a while. You mean curl up with a book and wait all night? <laughs> oh, oh, he'll be here. He, uh, what in the... Sounds more like a music store. Oh, come on. Hello, Hall. I've been waiting for... Oh. Uh, uh, Rosa. I was just listening to some phonograph records. Uh, uh, this, uh, uh, this is Miss Brooks, uh, Mr. Valentine, uh, Mrs. Kulich, uh, wife of my assistant Otto here in the shop. <laughs> She does some of my bookkeeping, too. Oh, how do you do? Hello. Hall, Otto had to go uptown to see somebody. Uh, we live right next door in the little apartment. Uh, see, Mrs. A... Uh, Coolidge doesn't have a phonograph in her apartment. We uh, have records here, too, a few of them. I understand. Well, she can join the party and Mrs. help us. Mrs. Uh, Coolidge isn't the bookworm type, is she? What? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. She wouldn't be the one. I mean, she has her own keys. What is all this? Oh, I'm in the way, aren't I, Mr. Humber? Well, it's something I didn't mention, that's all, Rosa. Are you married, Mr. Humber? I beg your pardon. Oh, no, 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 I'm not, but... Shh. Huh? Well, uh, excuse me now, I'll be leaving uh, shh. if you... Uh, be quiet. Well, won't someone tell me what no, on no, earth... stop it, stop it. You hear that, Valentine? Yeah. Wasn't a car in the alley. I'm sure of that. No, it's from back someplace. Stockroom. Well, what are you listening for? Will you please? But, uh, come on, come on through here. Yeah. A little early though, isn't it, for your bookworm to arrive? There. Here, you see it? The light. Yeah, flashlight. Get out of the way. Get him! Get him! Get home, Mister Humber. Well, I, I thought you saw. I saw the shade on the door glass blowing. That's all. But the door's been forced, all right. Still open. He's already gone. He must have heard us. Uh-huh. Yeah, it looks that way. He, he ran out and down the alley. You, you see, it is true, Mr. Valentine, every night. Get the light switch. Oh, yes. Well, but look around. Nothing is touched again. Nothing's ever touched. Here, you see? A new set of first editions just in from Boston. Not even disturbed. Mr. Valentine? Right here, Mr. Hubbard. It's where I saw the flashlight. Uh, what? Your visitor seems to be interested in old books, not new ones. Believe it or not, you're right. He apparently was reading. His book is still open. Well, let me see. What is it? Oh, what some power the gifted gives to see ourselves as others see us. Robert Burns? Burns? Why should I know why anybody should like Robert Burns? My background is a printer, Mr. Valentine, not the Oxford Book of English Words. Okay, okay, Otto. I waited to see you because I thought you might have noticed something unusual. I am handyman, shelf duster, and salesman in the shop. Should I have time to notice anything? For three nights running, somebody's been breaking in here. To read books. To read books? What is wrong with that? What would you like? People should only watch... Television? Oh, now look, friend. I know I don't help you. My wife don't help you. It is late. I'm tired. But this Humber, my boss, don't you understand? He is uh, what you call uh, persecution with complexes. A what? Always and everything he sees a mystery. So somebody should break in to read. He should make something of this. Always make something of everything. Why should he worry? There is no damage, is there? No damage All to right, his... All right, skip it, Otto, skip it. Hmm? You say nobody's up to anything, huh? 
No damage to Mr. Humber? Why worry? What do you but mean? Burns is the word, all right. Burns? Can't you tell a fire engine when you hear one? Now, what do you think that smoke's coming from? Come on, let's get out of here. Lisa, that's the first portion of Let George Do It. Why not just let him do it? I mean, yeah. come on, if he's willing to do it, let just relax it. and let him do it. He right? wants to do it, let I him mean, do it. I mean, he, yeah, he might want to charge a little bit for it, but, you know, depending. I mean, you can afford it. Sure. I well, mean, not anymore. I have to buy a large pizza. I think you could Although still. I could get you a small pizza. No, because Mike and I both are going to eat it. I just said pizza. I didn't really designate the size of it, nor did I say well, ingredients on see, it. See, here's the thing. You said pizza, so yeah. I get to pick whatever pizza I want. I want an extra large garbage pizza, everything on it, the most expensive pizza. I'm thinking an extra small plain get cheese. get a couple of Cokes, too? Oh, no, 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 Cokes? no, no, no drinks. All right. We're no listening. toppings, either. No, <laughs> just cheese and sauce. That's right. All right. Extra small. Man, you're tough. Extra Let me tell you. Extra small. Uh, we'll get back to uh, Let George Do It right after this. Stick around. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right, this is Hollywood 360, the best in classic radio. It's a trip down memory lane, Lisa. That's what we do here every week on our five-hour program. And don't forget, we have a podcast called Radio Rarities, and we tack it on to the end of the five-hour show, and you receive that when you subscribe to our podcast. And if you want to uh, get our full five-hour show and podcast, Go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com, or call 815-900-7535. We'll sign you up. It's only $5.99 a month, and you get that weekly sent to you, the full five-hour show plus Radio Rarities podcast sent to you weekly for only $5.99 a month. And um, a lot of people do it, and uh, it's a great way to get the full show plus the podcast. We're listening to Let George Do It, The Bookworm Turns, Bob Bailey starring. Here's the conclusion. 
Only nothing's been damaged, George. Somebody broke into Humber's store during the night and didn't steal anything, and now there's a fire, but nothing is damaged. Credit luck and the fire department for that, ain't you? Oh, water, water. Just look at the water. What's the matter, Humber? Ruin a few bindings? Oh, no, no. It isn't important. Only the six for a dollar ones, but... Mr. Valentine, what is it? What's going on? Who is trying to do what to me? The bookworm who reads Burns certainly didn't start the fire, or it would have burned up my entire stock. No, George, the fire didn't actually start here. Ah, but it was aimed here. If the engines hadn't been so close... The place next door almost burned to the ground. That was the reason for the fire here. An old apartment, yes, yes, where Rosa and Otto live, but they don't own anything. There was no loss to anybody. Oh, no. It was here, all right, at me, that the fire was aimed. Only why... Mr. Humber, suppose you give me a chance to find out. Hey, uh, Brooksy, there was a fire investigator here a minute ago. Let's find oh, him. There he is, over there. George. But, Mr. Valentine... I said I'll do it my own way, thanks. Hey, you. Hey, you, Mac. Hey, I want to talk... Oh. Are you addressing me, young man? I, uh, I thought you were somebody else. Maharaja of Ranapur, perhaps? J.P. Morgan's ghost? Any law against my being me? Sorry. And what are you staring at, mademoiselle? Hmm? Didn't you ever see a shirt with no collar before? It's to display the hair on my chest, naturally. Gray, quite unusual, don't you think? Okay, friend, skip it. No, George. You'll wait. find the children's books on the next counter. What's that one you're looking at? What are you doing here? Georgie, Porgie, Puddin' and Pie. What's it look like I'm doing? Taking a bath, naturally. Kiss the girls and say goodbye. Yeah, let me see that. Get your hands off me. It's a bookstore, isn't it? It's open for business. I'll say it is. It's wide open now. So the book you're interested in is Certain Poems by Robert Burns. Yes, a book of Burns' poems. I just picked it up. I suppose you're from the T.S. Eliot Protective League. What is all this? What is going on? George, it's the same book. I came here to buy this book. Any objections? No. No, friend. Just questions. Like, uh, why? Ah, people. Look here. Edinburgh edition. The Four Dials Press, 1793. Yeah. Yeah, it's an old edition, all right. But... A very authentic edition, a very rare one. Oh, so I see. Priced at $750. I didn't notice that before. Oh, it is quite valuable, Mr. Valentine. It turned up in a bunch of second-hand things Otto picked up at auction. That's what is so peculiar. Why the bookworm didn't steal it. Wait a minute. I think it's even more peculiar how this man happened to know it was here. Yeah. How about that, friend? My name is Jess. Henry Jess. Not friend. Not even to my enemies. Jess, the critic? Well, I salute you, Mr. Humber. Fame, isn't it wonderful? Yes, yes. Henry Jess, the man who sells his brain for a few dollars a month to sell a book magazine. Hey, hey, get back on the rails, will you? I ask you a simple question. How I knew that book was here? A man told me. Not a bird, a man. What man? Here. An envelope. No, 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 not for you. For you, Mr. Humber. No, a man in my impecunious state will do anything for a commission. Even talk to the likes of you. I do buying once in a while for collectors so they can pretend that they know how to pick out the authentic items themselves. Yeah, but this guy's name, the man interested in this particular book. Why should I bother with his name? I don't know. Just a fat man, that's all. Don't ask me how he knew I'd find the edition here. I don't know that either. Emery Whitzel. What? His name. Uh, just a note. Authorization saying he'd be willing to pay up Give to... me that. Uh, uh... Well, what's the matter, Mr. Jess? What's the matter with the name Emery Whitzel? Your client, isn't he? Nothing. Nothing. I didn't realize that was his name, that's all. 
Just a man who phoned and asked me to make the purchase for him. Look, I'm getting sick and tired well, of all this speaking. Well, it is a perfectly legal authorization, Mr. Valentine. And you too, Mr. Humber. You give me a case that's like a jellyfish. You can't grab onto it. Uh, the case of a bookworm, Mr. Valentine. Never mind. You're a little slippery yourself. Yes, but I've never heard of Emery Whitzel. Be quiet, will you? It's this guy I'm talking to. Who'll see... What? Otto. Hey, Otto. Otto, what's the matter? What happened? George, there's blood on his... Look, he's been shot. No, no, let go. I... Whitzel. What? Bookworm. Henry. Henry Whitzel. I take it all back, Mr. Humber. It's a case now, all right. Otto's dead. Some power the gifty us to see ourselves as others see us. Yes, if your name is George Valentine, that's how your case started. Just a book of poems by Robert Burns. A valuable early edition from the Four Dials Press in Edinburgh. A book that someone broke into Mr. Humber's shop just to read. A book that an agent wanted to buy for a collector named Emery Whitzel. And who is Emery Whitzel? Well, Lieutenant Johnson of Homicide has an opinion on that because now it seems the little book may have been the cause of murder. And those were his dying words, weren't they? Whitzel, Emery Whitzel, he tried to tell you. That's right, Johnson. Otto had apparently been shot just a couple of minutes before out in the street. And then came staggering in for help or to tell us... To tell you who did it, that Whitzel did it. Isn't that the usual interpretation? Yeah. Only who is Whitzel? Well, now you're asking something else. Well, we'll find him. Don't worry. Oh, don't be too sure. It's like finding the bookworm who disappeared the minute we got close. You ask me, this guy Humber knows a lot more than uh -huh. he... Uh-huh. He's the one hired me. It's as much creek to him as it is to us. Hey, Johnson, check up on that fire, will you, how it started? What? How can you connect a fire? I don't know. Just do it, will you? We've only scratched the surface of this thing so far. But we'll never get deeper unless we retrace what we already got. Like what you said, Brooksy, that the bookworm disappeared. No, he was in the shop last night, but he got away. Correction, Angel. He was scared away before we ever got a chance to see him. Isn't that what really happened? You mean all that phonograph noise and Rosa? Uh-huh. Hey, I wonder how she's feeling now that she's a widow. Please leave me alone. I don't know anything. I'm I'm sorry, Mrs. Coolidge, but you have to help us. Well, I'm confused. I Why were you in Mr. Humber's office last night in the first place? It wasn't just to listen to records, was it? Oh, I know what you're thinking, but it's not true. Yes, I like Mr. Humber. In some ways, he's been closer than Otto ever was. But you can't make anything out of it. Otto was my husband. But he's dead now. It's all over. So what's everybody hiding? Nothing. Just... Give me time. Let me think a little while. I'll give you two seconds to tell us who was in the stockroom last night. What? When we heard him, you talked loud. On purpose. You gave him a warning, a chance to get away. No, I didn't. Who was it, your husband? No. Is that what you're so upset about? Wondering whether or not you should be loyal to a dead husband? No, it wasn't, Otto. I don't know who it was breaking into the store, going through the old editions. Well, you claimed your husband was uptown at the time, I remember. Well, but it's I... true. He was. I don't believe he it. He was. I'm not lying. He was at the Bedford Hotel, room 217. Wow. Well, now we're getting someplace. The Bedford Hotel, huh? 
It's the middle of the afternoon, friend. Come on, open the door. You got the wrong room. 217 Bedford Hotel. Come on, open up. So you can read. I'm impressed. Yes, and in about one minute, I'll spell out the letters on a badge for you. Come on, come on. Dick Tracy badge? Oh, get back in there. All right. No need to show off your vitamins. Ah, looks like we hit pay dirt fast, eh, Valentine? Yeah, I see what you mean, Johnson. Big fat guy. Answers that book agent's description, all right. Hey, what is this? What's this all about? You tell us, Mr. Witzel. Wrong number. Now, look, wise guy, we're trying to find... Name is McGurk. Horace McGurk. don't try to... Novelties is my line. A surprise for every party. Little Egypt. Watch your shimmy and shake. Exploding cigars. And if you want to shake hands instead... What? Smell a carnation on my coat. Only look out for it. Cut it out. Cut it out. Salesman, huh? Sure. Identification. Here, see? Huh? Go on, I won't bite you. Horace J. McGurk, Ace High Novelties, New York, New York. So admit your mistake, boy. <laughs> That's probably Mabel. I'll ask if she's got a couple of dumb friends for you. Hey, get away from that. Hello? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is me. Go ahead. You know, it's Jared. Huh? <laughs> a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Thanks. <laughs> My friend, Mabel's a sergeant. I told him to phone here. Sergeant? <laughs> I guess I wouldn't have enjoyed the day. If he got anything. And he did. Well, let's have it, Jensen. Record on Emery Witzel. Oh, sure, sure. There's a record. There's such a guy, all right, or there was ten years ago. Yeah. In the phony book business. In New York. Small world. That's my town. What else, Jensen? What do you mean, phony book business? I mean like in forgeries, fakes for genuine. Like maybe that book back there in the shop, the Robert Burns? Who knows? But now, as for you, my friend... New York is such an intimate place. Just sit yourself down and relax, because ten years ago, you would have been about the right age to... Hold it, Jensen. To start fires, maybe. Huh? Yeah. You were in the lighter fluid business too, McGurk, huh? Uh-huh. One, two, three, four, five, six kids. It's perfume. It's a gag, you dopes. And novelties. I showed you my identification. What's a... Perfume? Let me see what it smells Get away like. from that coat, McGurk. Hey, Johnson, duck. Yep. Hot, be hot foot to your friend. So long. Holy smoke. Those shots came through the transom. Come on. Somebody been in the next room all the time. Officer, can you hear me? Got away down the hall. Fire escape door's open. McGurk's dead, all right. A Witzel, whoever he is. Yes, I'll cover the other end. Just get that street closed off fast. No, no, how should I know who it was? Come on, Valentine. Why? To be five blocks behind, skip it. Besides, maybe the answer's right here. Huh? This gun of McGurk's. He fired twice, but there's another shell missing. That could be the one that killed Otto. Looks like about the same caliber. What in the... Never mind. Just grab it for a lab check. Because there was lighter fluid in these cans, Johnson. Smell them. And an empty whiskey bottle on him. Sure, that's what he carried it in. It's empty, too. Okay, so your hunch was right. This guy started the fire, but it doesn't... Let's get back to the place where the fire was. I got an idea. Well, this is what's left of their apartment, Otto and Rose's... Fire really erected, didn't it? Yeah, so far the only thing to explain anything is a copy of Robert Burns. Two murders for 750 bucks. One at a time, Johnson. McGurk did the first one, right? Sure, sure. It looks like the bullet will check, all right. So somebody else did the second one. Brilliant. McGurk, Whitzel, or whoever he was didn't kill himself. So it's 375 bucks for each murderer. Yeah, wait a minute. What's this? 
I don't know. Piece of an old lathe, maybe. Hey, Brooksy. Yeah, I am, George. Any luck with Mrs. Coolichet? Oh, she won't say anything until she's talked with Mr. Humber. Uh-huh. Never mind. You ever see a steel arm like this on a lathe? George, what on earth is that? Oh, here. Heavy wooden screw. Or what's left of it. Hey. Printing press. Now you're getting it. Old-fashioned small printing press. And Otto was a printer, wasn't he? Well, he had been in the past, I remember. Johnson, I... suppose Mrs. Coolidge knew her husband was up to something that she didn't like. But the, the phony book business. And that means Humber and that other guy, Jess, are tied right up with it. Take it easy. There was a bookworm, wasn't there? That person wouldn't have been tied up with Otto. Otherwise, why prowl around? George, you mean Otto was printing books? Oh, not money. It takes a long time. But sure, remember? Humber even told us Otto himself had picked up the copy of Burns at auction. Books, schmooks, a lousy $700 oh, wait worth Wait a minute. Of... Listen, be quiet, will you? Huh? Just a car, wasn't it, yeah. in the alley? Hey, hey. Somebody got out and went in the shop there. Come on. So the bookworm is a sucker, huh? Coming back for the book. Up in McGurk's room, I said the book was still in the shop. Well, that person in the next room, the one who killed him, also could have hurt us, check? Well, yeah, but coming back to the place... Shh, wait a minute, hold it. Wait a minute, I want to check that truck. See the registration card. Well, it's McGurk's car. George, look, in the back... Oh, no, no. Not another body. Box seven or eight foot long, just about the right size for a body. Haven't you figured yet what might be really valuable in this deal worth committing murder for? George, what are you talking about? Worth trying to get away from Otto and then having to kill him? Worth burning the apartment so people wouldn't know about the press? Here, here, give me a hand. Let's see what's inside this box. Type. Yeah. Loose type. That's right, old-style print. Here, look at the funny capital, see? Sure, Johnson, it's type. Maybe one book is only worth seven fifty, But think what a few hundred supposedly authentic books scattered in markets all over the world would be worth. Holy mackerel. Big enough for you now, isn't it? George. Huh? Oh, here, quick, this way. Coming back again, out of the store. Hold it, hold it. Must be able to see us, man. Shh. You got comedy, friend. Be careful, that gun. Stay that... here. Kind of a dumb stunt, wasn't it? Coming back to get that one book so there'd be no record of what Otto's type looked like? Why were you so far in over your head anyway that... Oh, gonna talk, huh? It's all right. I don't know who you are for sure. Now go on. Otto tried to gasp out the name Emery Witzel, but that didn't do us much good. Whoever it is uses a different name now. But then I thought of a poem which says, To see ourselves as others see us. Move back, I said. That's the car. It suddenly occurred to me Otto wasn't trying to say who his killer was. He was just trying to talk to one of the two people there with me. I said... I'm that. moving now. Just take it easy. Back from the car. You mean under the car, because there's a cop to the right of you, Mr. Jess, who's about one second... Oh, excuse me. I guess it was to the left. Yeah, Angel, it was a big-time operation, all right, with a double cross for good measure. You see, Jess and McGurk had found out about that antique type that Otto made as a hobby, maybe. I don't know whether Otto intended to use it crookedly or not. <laughs> Perhaps he slipped in the copy of the Robert Burns to see how successful he was. Now, yeah, but, George, which one was the bookworm? Jess, of course. 
You don't think a guy like McGurk could have told a book from a racetrack sheet, do you? Well, no, but why did Jess want to buy the book then if he... Because he was the brain, Angel. The other guy was the arm. But the arm double-crossed him. You see, Jess thought he was going to run it real clever. But McGurk found he couldn't buy off Otto, so he shot him and stole the type and set fire to the place. And Jess didn't even know about all that until he opened that letter right in front of us. Mm-hmm. To find that his partner had signed the name Witzel to it. He did it so Jess, who was really Witzel, would have to go into hiding again while McGurk walked off with a loop. Oh, nice people. So Jess turned into an arm himself and killed McGurk. No, I thought it was Mr. Humber and Mrs. Coolidge. To see ourselves as others see it. It would from many a blunder free us. <laughs> and foolish notion. Hmm? Foolish notion. To keep one's eyes on the emotions instead of the facts. Sometimes you can be the most egotistical. Rosa Coolidge loves that guy Humber, but she was loyal the to her husband. The most insufferable. Of course, he doesn't make sense, but... Arrogant. But Conceited. women in love seldom do. Why, you... Don't kill me, Angel. You wanted it explained, didn't you? Hmm. But I know a clue you don't. The name of that poem of Robert Burns you're so glib about. Hmm? What's that? It's called To a Louse. Good night, George. You have just heard The Bookworm Turns, another Let George Do It adventure. Robert Bailey was starred as George Valentine with Virginia Gregg as Brooksy. David Victor and Jackson Gillis wrote the story with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Now this is yours truly inviting you to another visit with Valentine when you will again hear what happens when you let George do it. The announcer there said, and this is yours truly, didn't say his name, but actually we know who his name is because we have... Cracker Jack detectives like Carl Shadow on the case. That was Bud Heaston doing the announcing there. For Let George Do It, originally sponsored by Standard Oil, from December 11th, 1950, heard on the Mutual Network, The Bookworm Turns, Bob Bailey as George Valentine with Virginia Gregg as Brooksy and Virginia Gregg, Lisa. Virginia Gregg, did you know this? Virginia Gregg was the voice of Norman Bates's mother on Psycho. I don't know if you knew that or not, but she was. All right, let's take a quick, well, let's do our uh, music history. Right. Should yep. we do that? Yep. All right, let's do our uh, This Month in Music History. All right, this song goes back to 1993. Macarena. Macarena. Hey! You know, it's so crazy that this song yeah. you really came into play here in the United States and really became such a worldwide hit. It was a huge yeah, hit. What it year? Was an international hit, a whole dance craze. What year? Um, it was on their 1993 album called Ami Me Gusta. Ami My Gusta. Ami Me Gusta. Me Gusta. <laughs> and what's the name of the band? This is Los Del Rio. Los Del Rio. 
<laughs> it you rolls off the tongue. You definitely have it? a great Spanish accent. Yes, there. I do. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, Uno, ocho, dos, no, tres. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Spanish. All right. Thanks, Lisa Wolf. <laughs> Catch you soon. More of Hollywood 360 after this break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right, join us next week for another edition of Hollywood 360 when we'll present Richard Diamond, Private Detective, The Adventures of Frank Race, Dark Fantasy, The Craft Music Hall, and Wild Bill Hickok. Be sure to visit our website, Hollywood360radio.com. From my co-host, Lisa Wolf, that's you. That's me. Our executive producer, Mike Bubblebath Costella, and my crabby brother, Vince Amari. This is Carl Amari saying, stay safe, be healthy, and truly thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.